This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forrester, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Well, hello and welcome back, my friend. Man, this week, Di Manuel is with me. Di is, how do I best describe Di? Di is just like the ever, the energizer bunny in human form. He is one of the few people I know that has energy that would fuel a city. I, he is energized. And I mean, it's like this positive energy that you just want to say, Hey, die. Can I have a little bit? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> man, die. <laughs> Dai is an amazing man, and uh, I love my conversations with him. When we get to chat, it is just the most uplifting, encouraging, and just honest time and provides such great insight. Dai is the type of friend that all of us need because he doesn't couch stuff. He presents it and gives us a choice and then provides other opportunities that we might have blinders on for. But who is Dai, you might be wondering. So he's a fitness guru. He is an amazing, you're going to see this through our story, an amazing husband and father. He's made those intentional decisions and set aside time. Uh, author, speaker, go check out his TEDx talk. Thank you. Uh, Appreciate the intro. Let's just jump in. Are you cool with that? Or is there, <laughs> yeah, is there something no, else you want me to right add? In, man. No, like cool. it all comes out in the wash. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So, uh, Di, what does life look like for you on the professional side of life? Well, you, you know, well, thanks, Mike. Uh, it's a good question. I, you know, professionally and personally, I, I made a decision a while ago that I just blend the two, you know, like, and what I mean by mm -hmm. that is uh, uh, intentionally eight years ago, I left a career of 17 years, you know, so had we been having a conversation eight years ago and you asked me what that that same question, what did my professional life look like? It, it was like a huge dominating force in my life. You know, it was something that I prioritized. Uh, and, and to be fair, you know, I was living in my ego a lot. You know, I wanted to be like mm -hmm. the dude, right. I'm the man, I'm, I'm the guy, I'm the boss. I'm the, you know, just, it was so funny, right? Like I, I really lived for the title. And uh, I was a founding partner of a retail chain uh, of specialty fitness equipment in Canada. And, uh, you know, we had lots of retail stores. We had some B2B enterprises, manufacturing overseas, wholesale division. Like we, we did it all. It was an omni-channel uh, uh, business, you know, so it really did everything, you know. And uh, I learned a lot, you know, because I didn't go to school for that. Um, but I was very fortunate that early on I had a knack for, for sales and for leadership. And one of the, the owners of that company saw something in me that I didn't quite see in myself yet and, and took me under his wing and really just started to, to feed me, you know, and what I mean by feed me, feed me knowledge and his wisdom because he was 20 years my senior. And man, I was a sponge. I just sucked it all up. And, uh, and I was, I wasn't afraid to work and I was going to work hard and I did. And, 
it, it was just boom, all in, right? And and 17 years I was dripping into that business and prioritizing it first. Now, meanwhile, during the, that time, you know, I, I had met my wife, we had kids and, you know, there's a lot of other stuff and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. But, it, you know, there was a lot of challenges that sort of arose and I wasn't really managing my mental health in a very healthy way and, you know, um, wasn't always making the best decisions, you know, believing I was a certain way yet acting completely different, which also creates this little bit of a mental health gap in how we show up and, and, and especially when there's nobody around, how we feel about ourselves. And uh, we, we can sort of uh, digest that a little bit more later. But, um, you know, I went through a big change 10 years ago. And that's what started literally, I, I would call it the kink in the armor, okay? It was that little kink that allowed me mm. all of a sudden to say, hey, you know, maybe what I've been doing and so committed to doing for so long isn't really the path I want to continue to follow. And, and I know you know this very well, because you're, you're sort of in a transitionary phase for yourself as well. And, you know, when we come to these transition phases, it, it's intimidating because it often involves a lot of change and very quickly and, and sometimes complete paradigm changes as well, right? Like we have a certain worldview and all of a sudden that worldview is like, whoa, nope. <laughs> you know, it's a completely different perspective and different view. And with that comes, uh, I, I call it an unearthing of our belief systems, you know, because we have a lot of sort of biased beliefs that have been deeply ingrained into who we are and who we believe we are. And when all of a sudden that paradigm shift or that perspective on the worldview shifts, we start to realize that a lot of these beliefs that may have been helping us before aren't going to help us any longer. And in fact, mm -hmm. may, may be like a tether that holds us in place and prevents us from really embracing the change. And uh, so, you know, now eight years, uh, since making that big change where I, I quit a career 17 years, my wife quit hers a month after that. Um, <laughs> two months after we were both, you know, now out of our careers, we pulled the kids out of school. We, we gave away pretty much all of our stuff, the, the personal stuff that we really had personal value, you know, it, you know, those mementos and whatnot. Uh, we put into a storage unit and we packed up our SUV and we just started traveling as a family because my ambition was mm. to be a full-time family. And, and fortunately for me, I had started doing some stuff online uh, under my own personal brand and, and that started to get traction. And so we had some income coming in now, not enough to replace what I was doing, nor to replace what my wife was bringing in, but it was enough for us to say, Hey, let's give this a go, <laughs> you know? And, and so for five years of the last, you know, um, I'd say, well, it's more, more than eight now, about nine years, um, we spent traveling you know, as a full-time family mm. and, and experiencing different cultures and different types of people and, and, and communities. And, and really, you know, that was the education my kids got. It was a life schooling opportunity <laughs> and, uh, and it was awesome. You know, it was quite the experience. Two and a half of those years were spent in Bali, Indonesia. And, uh, um, and then, you know, we, we came back to Vancouver. Um, I continued to work as a consultant, as a, uh, also as a fractional C-level executive. So whether it be more CRO or CMO, so chief revenue or chief uh, marketing um, officer. Uh, so I do that very fractionally for some startups as well as uh, established companies that maybe just need some, some firm leadership to come in to help them with some pivots, you know, and, or realignments is probably more appropriate. But um, Outside of that, I just love helping people with change. 
I just, that's what I do. Yeah. You know, I've been through so many changes, not all of them welcomed, <laughs> you know, but, but in going through all those changes, I learned immense amounts of, of self-wisdom as well as learn an appreciation for change and change management, but also how to develop a more positive mindset around change. And, and that's really where I help people, you know, 30 years in nutrition and fitness coaching, along with building multiple businesses. Uh, I've got a pretty diverse background. So when people work with me, they're, they're not getting one little piece of help. You know, they're getting lots of help yeah. uh, in lots of different ways, but it's all about our life, you know? And, and so to answer your question, that personal and professional, it's very much a blend now. I, I fill my life daily with the things I want to fill it with, you know, and, and that includes family, it includes friends, it includes my fitness, you know, it includes a lot of fun. Um, and, and when I work, it's fun, you know, so um, that's it. I, I know it was a long winded answer to a very short question, but uh, that, I wanted to give context to my answer. <laughs> and, and let's be clear about one thing, because there's a way to blend both. And the way you blend yeah. and the way other people blend of like, hey, I'm blending both family and, and, you know, personal and professional. You're not sitting there thinking about what you need to do professionally while you're with your family, nor are you sitting mm -hmm. there when you're working thinking about, hey, I wish I was with my family. You right. you have each of those Fair. places Fair. really set up with a boundary, which is the healthy way to do it rather than sitting there. uh kind of like regret and this desire to be where you're not you're present when you're mm. in both of those different roles is that right i mean is that a safe way to say it it absolutely absolutely you know and it's and, and i remember and i'm never in a position where all of a sudden i feel like i'm compromising one for the other you know and i i think that's the the biggest piece is i i realize that the two serve one another very well and provide a better version of me for both. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's just, yeah. I, I'm a, I'm better at what I do professionally because of my family, but my family also has a better version of me that shows up for them because of what I do professionally. Yes. And, and because of the great amount of fulfillment I get from that. And yeah, it feeds my identity for sure. I mean, gosh, we all got an ego. All right. And uh, we like to fulfill things. We like to feel fulfilled, right? We do. We want to feel fulfilled. We want to feel happy. We want to feel joyful. And, and, and fortunately for me, what I do professionally does fill those buckets, um, which allows mm -hmm. me when I'm with my family to be really present, but also just in a better state of mind, you know? So um, now it doesn't, it's not always perfect. Like, Hey, hello. Uh, I have my mental health struggles. I, I really do. You know, like recently in the last six months, I had some real challenging times just going through some big changes and some life adjustments and had a couple of health things pop up for me. And, you know, so it starts to rock the, the foundation a bit. But yeah. again, it was just another opportunity to get really clear on what matters and, and cut away the excess stuff that really doesn't more of the distractions and, and get back to the basics of what I knew would allow me to feel most fulfilled, happy, and joyful in my life. And uh, yeah. not always an easy process to go through, but when you get to the other side, it's always worthwhile. You know, it really yeah. is. And you've, yeah. you've definitely made a journey. I mean, where you're at now, you have worked to get there. Cause if we go back and mm -hmm. look at oh, yeah. like where the journey began, you know, like <laughs> when you were between nine and 14, the challenges mm. that were going on um, then mm -hmm. as far as you, your parents were going through a divorce, you were going through some social anxiety. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there was also 
you know, like, uh, you were taking like solace and comfort in food. That's something that, yeah. you know, in video games, like that is something mm-hmm. that I totally get, you know, medicating with video games and finding that safe place, finding, Hey, I want this food. This makes me feel, you know, good. <laughs> it removes the stress. Right. Yeah. Um, that's right. You were in that place. Um, can you take us back to, to that time, what was going on mm-hmm. and, and kind of what the struggles were for you then? Well, you know, absolutely. I, I'm happy to sort of go back way back uh, <laughs> to that time. You know, I was, um, you know, just to give some context, I, I'm, I'm 46 now. And, and so if we go back, you know, three decades, uh, I, I was an 80s kid, right? Like I was born in the 70s, but uh, later in the 70s and really my, my foundational years, those earlier years and early teen years were in the 80s. And if we remember back to the 80s, you know, it was a, it was a crazy time. I mean, it's, it's funny how it's been sort of idolized, right? In, in a lot of the movies and TV shows that are coming out now. Um, <laughs> but when you were in it back then, I mean, there's a lot of chaos going on in the world and, and there was a lot of big changes yeah. happening in lots of different areas, especially when we look at what was going on in North America. Um, but there was one thing back then that comparatively to now is there was a huge stigma around divorce. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a huge stigma and, uh, so divorce was not like it is today. I mean, we have more marriages that end in divorce now percentage wise than there are successful marriages. All right. So of course it's a genuinely, you know, it's just normal, right? It's not a big deal. It's just a normal thing. But back then there was only one other kid in my class, you know, when I was nine years old that didn't have his original parents together. So, you know, a class of 30 kids, that's very small percentage, right? So right away, there's a bit of a stigma and, there weren't a lot of resources, if any, to support kids going through that. And my parents were navigating as best they could, you know, as best they could. They'd already been together for about 20 years at that point, you know, which is a huge amount of their life. They met in their teens and, you know, they, they, they ended up separating, divorcing before they hit 40. And, and uh, there, there was a big chunk of time there. And, you know, they had to look after themselves. You know, and I have that understanding now by having two kids that are, you know, young adults now. But I mean, when they were kids, I can just imagine, you know, just sort of even 10 years ago, I remember reflecting like, gosh, right around now is like sort of the age I was when my parents separated, you know, and I'm now the age of my dad when he just told my mom, I want a divorce, you know, it's just like, wow, it's just like, it's interesting how history has that ability to sort of reframe some of our perspectives and beliefs. But um <laughs> so here I am at age nine, you know, my brother's a couple years, my junior and my parents look, throw this bomb on my brother and I, and mm. I, I didn't know how to process it. I really didn't. I, I had no idea. And, and my parents, like I said, they were already in the thick of it and trying to figure out how they were going to move forward. How were us kids going to be supported? You know, like just, they, they wanted to do things the right way. But I mean, again, when it's heavily stigmatized, you don't have a lot of examples of people doing it the right way or if there is a right way. Um, they just did the best they could. And I withdrew. Okay. I did. I withdrew. I, 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 I became very introverted. I found solace. And when I say solace, I found comfort because I learned very quickly that if I eat certain foods or I do certain activities like video games and movie watching, very passive, right? Um, <laughs> the dopamine effect is very real, right? You get this little bit of an uplift, you know, serotonin, dopamine. We got these neurotransmitters that can be triggered when we do certain things or eat certain things. 
And I found that out. And so that's what I did. I would eat certain things and I'd find instant comfort and gratification in those things. And it wasn't like I was saying, Hey, Mike, pass me some more salad, please. You know, I was like, no, it was all foods that were very dense in calories, yet very poor in nutrition value. And so, you know, fast forward five years of that being just the way I was. I got to a point, you know, just before age 15, went to the doctor um, <laughs> with my mom and, you know, he's pulling my mom aside like Betty Ann dies morbidly obese. And, and, you know, BMI well into my 40 percentile, right? Like it was huge. I was a very, very big kid. And um, it also stunted my puberty, you know, so it stunted my growth. Because of that, uh, I, I just did. I was just very unhealthy. So, you, you know, there wasn't a, a <laughs> my body wasn't growing the right way. Let's just say that. Right. And uh, it was tough. Everything was hard. Okay. Like anybody that's experiencing chronic health challenges. They can, they, they know what I mean. You know, if there's a chronic health or a chronic injury, chronic pain, anything that's chronic that just feels like it's constantly going and it becomes your new normal. It's tough to see anything other than that. Mm. You know, like you, you, you forget what it was like. Like I, I forgot what it was like to, to have energy when I wake up in the morning and be able to go do stuff. I forgot what it was like to go up a flight of stairs and not feel completely gassed out. You know, like just those little simple things. Like I, I couldn't remember that because again, nine to 14, I mean, in those years, I mean, I was feeding my mind with video games and movies and, and certain foods and very introverted, wasn't really having a big social network. And I, in mm -hmm. fact, avoided social settings because there was a lot of anxiety I would get because I always felt people were staring at me and judging me and ridiculing me. Like it's just how I felt. So of course I was going to avoid that stuff. And, um, it was just tough, you know, um, a, a lot of ideation about maybe life would be easier if I didn't wake up tomorrow morning, you know, mm. I never acted on it, but I definitely thought about it. I did quite regularly, you know, um, but I never acted on it because to be fair, the finality of death scared the crap out of me. And uh, I was like, no, thank you. I, I do not want that. And and also I, I love my parents and I know I, th I felt love from them. And so I just, I, I never really acted on that. And, and my parents were always there to support my brother and I, and, and I know they saw me hurting. And as a father now with two daughters, whenever I see them sad or unhappy, the only thing I want is to help them not be that way anymore. So I can appreciate my parents are always wanting to help us, but they really didn't understand how. And, you know, age 15, man, it was like this crazy moment you know, I was at my dad's place and we'd see him like every other weekend, maybe. And, and often we'd stay with my dad, you know, there'd be lots of chips and junk food and we'd rent video games or movies. And it was just a really like a boy's weekend and, uh, weren't very active. We'd stay in his apartment or condo, you know, for the whole weekend and, um, <laughs> eat, watch and play. And, uh, I remember that Saturday morning having a shower. And, uh, Mike, I used to have this little hack and I'm sure there's people listening or watching this that can probably relate to this is I would have a shower and before I would get out, I would turn the water on extra hot. And the main reason for doing this was I knew that the steam that would come from the shower head would cause the mirror to completely cover in condensation, fog up. And this was so when I would get out of the shower to towel off, I would not have to look at my reflection. Like this, this is like my normal. All right. This is what I would do. This is how I would, 
I would bathe, you know, like I'd avoid ever looking at myself. Because I, you know, as they say, ignorance is bliss. And it's like, I already know I felt like crap. I don't need to look at myself to be reminded of that. And uh, that day, for some reason, I was being rushed by my dad. So I got out of the shower and I didn't get a chance to do the hack. And as I'm toweling off in my peripheral, I can just see myself. And I turned and I saw me, but I didn't feel like it was me. You know, like it was this, this sort of disconnected moment where I was like, oh my gosh, that is me looking back at me, but I, I don't like that guy. I don't feel like that's who I am or who I meant to be. You know, um, I can articulate this now because I've unpacked this, right? Like with, with, well, to be honest, with therapy and, and, and working with a psychologist and listen, trauma is a, a crazy thing. There's a great book called The Body Keeps Score for anybody that's thinking about wanting to deal with childhood trauma or trauma from their past. Um, great book that puts everything into perspective and also gives you some great tools and resources to start with. But I always say, find a third party, a professional to support you with this stuff. Um, it, it's life-changing and it's not a forever thing. Like I only worked with the person for six months, but I went all in on the that, that you know, like I was like, I'm going to do this work because I want to work through this. So, you know, what you put into is what you're going to get out of it. Um, so that's just a little side note, but uh, you know, so here I am and I'm looking at me and it was like Niagara Falls, right? Like here I am toweling off, but I couldn't towel off fast enough because it was just this cathartic sobbing. <laughs> like, it was just like, brrr, everything was just coming out of me. Like I just, I couldn't stop myself from sobbing. Like, and it wasn't a pretty cry as if there's ever is a pretty cry. It was like ugly cry, right? And, and then I stopped, took a breath. And there was just this thought that came over me. Like, I don't want to be this way anymore. In fact, I want to be healthy. I didn't say fit because I didn't really have that vocabulary yet, right? Yeah. But I said, I want to be healthy. I don't want to be like this anymore. I want to be more like the guys in my class, the guys that play the sports, you know, the guys that seem to always be happy and have energy. I want, I want to be like that. Charged at it. <laughs> I got changed first. And then I went out and saw my dad. And I was like, dad, I want to get healthy. I don't want to be like this anymore. And he was like looking at me like, did he just say that? Because, you know, they've been trying to encourage me. But again, you're never ready to make a change until you yourself are ready to make a change. Everybody can come to you and say, hey, how about this? How, how about this? Or why don't we do this for you? And it's like, you know, every time you came to me, offer me help, but you just said to me that I'm not enough. Like, that's what I thought. You know, every single time someone offered a hand or to help me, I just thought, well, you don't think I'm good enough the way I am. You think I have to change or I should change, you know? And it was just like this real, like, ugh. you know, being a teenager, I would like act out and just I wasn't the most pleasant of kids at times. Um, and uh, my dad's like, well, what would you like to do? And how can I help you? I was like, oh, man, that was pretty astute and probably the best thing you could have said. And uh, I was like, well, you know, I, I think I like a bike. I remember when I was a kid, I used to love riding my bike. Can we go get me a bike? He's like, yeah. Let's go. Oh, like when? Like right now. <laughs> you know, so we went out, bought me a bike, came home that afternoon, went for a ride. I mean, only went like three blocks. Like I was pretty gassed after that, but I still did three blocks and I came back and I felt good for doing something. The next day I went again and then I went again. And, and, you know, within about three weeks, <laughs> there used to be this big hill and it wasn't really a big hill, but it felt like Everest to me, you know, 
I, I never was able to get up and I'd get like a third of the way. And then like, it felt like the bike just froze and I'd go, Bloop. <laughs> like, it was just, I lose all that momentum. Right. Like it just, you know what I mean? Like you're going up a hill and it's yep. like, I'm trying, it ain't moving, you know? <laughs> and, uh, in fact, it felt like the hill was moving towards me, you know, it was just like, Oh boy, this is, this is not working. But instead of getting off the bike and, and just saying, okay, well, I'm going to stop and I'll just go home. I was like, no, I'll just walk the bike to the top and I'll keep going. Three weeks in, I remember summiting that hill. And that was the real moment where things clicked. And I was like, wow, things are changing. And they're changing because I'm making it change. You know, so that, and it was a very valuable lesson to realize that quickly in. And this is why I, I'm a really big fan of people getting a quick win. Very, you know, as soon as you start to go down a different path, you want to have an, a positive experience as fast as possible. You know, because that just reminds you that it is possible you're possible, you're making it happen and what you're doing is working, you know, so do more of it. Right. And, uh, it took, you know, five years to put all that weight on, took about 20 months to take it off. Mm. And, uh, you know, everything changed from that point onward, you know, quite literally everything changed. Um, we, we would not be talking to each other had I not had that experience as a teenager, Mike, I, I know that for sure, for sure. You know, I have no idea where I'd be today, but it wouldn't be here talking to you. <laughs> you yeah. know, so, um, yeah, that that's sort of that that early moment in my life that was incredibly impactful, but yet it made me who I am today, you know? So um I, I I'm very empathetic to people that are dealing with health problems and challenges and especially lifestyle challenges that relate to to being overweight. I, I get it. I totally get it. And uh but there's always an opportunity to change, you know. I love your perspective of it took five mm -hmm. years to put it on, it took mm -hmm. twenty to get it off. And so often we can look at it and go, that was 20 months. Oh my gosh, that's almost two years. Yeah. But the, the continued process is if you don't make that change, that decision, like you did, it can continue on and it's not five yeah. years, it's 15, it's 50 until you make that change and that decision to begin working on it. So there's lots sure. of questions from what you just shared, but the big <laughs> one that I want to ask, man, and this would probably come more from your clients that you work with. Mm -hmm. So often we can see people will go to like plastic surgeons or some mm -hmm. kind of beautification or correction type of surgery, mm -hmm. right? A modification, but they don't change. So it's like if you go mm -hmm. for dental work so that you mm -hmm. can smile, people yeah. don't smile. They still see themselves, even though they're, mm -hmm new and improved, so to speak, they still see themselves as the old frustrated person. Yeah. What is it that you, you do with your clients? Mm -hmm. I don't know that you necessarily did it consciously at, you know, mm -hmm. 17, but what are you helping them do to change the mental perspective of how they see themselves to then appreciate and have gratitude for the change that has come on to stick with it rather than yeah. moping and staying in that rut that they've become so familiar with well change like i said it, it isn't easy it's often worth it especially if it's a positive change that we want um it doesn't come without work or commitment uh but also frequency right like it's not like i went to the gym one time and i was like okay i'm done <laughs> it wasn't like you know what I mean? I went for one bike ride. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm done. I'm fit now. I'm healthy. Like it's it's a it's a process, and it it takes time. And um, and I I I want to remind people of that, you know, and and, and especially 
you know, health is such a, a relevant conversation for all of us because it's a common, should be a common interest that we all share, you know, is our own personal health and our own accountability or agency when it comes to our own health. Um, but it's not always the case, right? And and so with those individuals, especially when they're getting started, it's it's being realistic in, in our expectations and our management of our expectations. I, I find that that's the most important conversation to have when we begin, you know, is understanding that we might have a vision of where we want to be. And I think having a vision or a vision board, you know, I, I for myself, I always loved Da Vinci's David, like the, the statue of David. I, I thought, mm. wow, what a great physique, you know, just proportionally just looks I just, that was my idealized version of a body. You know, that was sort of my idea. So I remember having a picture of David, you know, uh, the, 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 the full statue at a marble. And, and, um, and so that was sort of what I was always thinking I was moving towards. And it would keep me committed to making the little steps every day. But something that was helpful and I find is helpful for others, especially if we're talking about physical changes, especially like around losing weight. Or, or more appropriately, releasing weight, right? Because we don't want to lose things. When you lose it, you always want to find it again. But when we release it, we're saying, hey, I don't want this back. <laughs> you know, so uh, um, uh, think about it like releasing doves, right? You're free, you're free. Um, so uh, language, right? Language. Um, Absolutely. So, so releasing weight, um, the, the thing about it, and I know there are some people that are conflicted on this. Like I know some people aren't as open to doing this, but I, I, I don't say to get the photos to be public with them, but to have them for yourself. You know, we all have these great phones now that have high pixel cameras on it. Taking some images of yourself, you know, in this bathing suit or, or, uh, in a pair of shorts, like what, whatever your underwear. Sure. It doesn't matter, but something where you can see your body. And get some images from all sides. Now, these are for you, right? Maybe your coach or whoever you're working with, maybe you'll share it with them too. But it's for you to mark, this is where I'm starting. Because there's going to be days where you're like, gosh, it feels like nothing's happening. It feels like nothing's happened, you know? And, and I'm like, oh, maybe I'm worse than I was before. And it's like, it's amazing how our mind, because it's hard to shift that view of ourselves, if it's become our normal, to change that's going to take time, you know. But having an image that you can reflect back on and compare to current image, so like just taking, you know, like I, I usually encourage people, you know, once a month take an image, just take an image, take a photo. You know, if you've been diligent with your work, it's going to show. It will show. It always does. And obviously there's the pants test, right? Your clothing test, just like, Hey, how's that? You know what? My pants, like I've got an extra loop I had to put on my belt. Awesome. It's working, you know, because it's important to recognize the work you're doing is creating the result that you want, you know, inputs in do correlate to outputs, you know? And, and so it's being scientific with that methodology to be able to start monitoring what am I putting in and what's coming out. And we have to be able to observe and document, track. That's where it is important to quantify some of these goals and expectations, not just qualify them. You know, and I believe qualifying is important too. Like, you, why are you wanting to be healthy? You know, like that's a good question to ask. For me back then, it was because 
I wanted a girlfriend. <laughs> you know, like if you would have asked me as that 15 year old boy, why do you want to get healthy? I, I want a girlfriend. I, and you know, it, it, that was me saying I wanted somebody to want me. You know, that's, that's really what the underlying thing was. I wanted to feel wanted it's in that different kind of a way, you know? And, um, that was my extrinsic motivation for sure. <laughs> and intrinsic. Um, but, uh, um, that's, that's sort of, you know, a, an important note I, I like to encourage people to do is like, whatever the change might be, really get present to where you're beginning from. And, and then start to think about little milestones along the way that you can celebrate and acknowledge the work that you've done and to see that you are progressing along that journey. Because if you don't do that, there's going to be days where you fall off. And if you don't have anything to compare to, it's a pretty slippery slope and regression can happen really fast. I've seen it lots. I've been there. Okay. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Even when I struggled with alcohol, uh, I, I definitely, I'd have good moments and, <laughs> and then I let myself go for one night. And then next thing you know, it turns into a couple weeks, right? Like it's just, it's, it's a slippery slope if we're not really conscious to, to what we're doing and, and how it's impacting the results or lack thereof, you know? Um, so that, that's an important piece that I like to take note of when I'm working with individuals or just anybody that's out there that's listening or watching this, like, just take note, do that. And, and you'll see it. You'll see that you are possible when it comes to your own change. Okay. Like that's, that's all I want people to take away from today is that you can change whenever the heck you decide you want to change, you know? Yeah. And you talking about writing it down. I think that's so mm -hmm. beneficial because often we can get to the point and our feelings or emotions can, mm -hmm. can jade. It's not just shading, right. but it can jade. And then those negative thoughts come in, Yes, and, you know, just like you've talked about, you know, for the alcohol, one day becomes a week and it's, oh, yeah. you know, no different than, Hey, one slip with a, you know, a potato chip then becomes, you know, a week worth of binging. And you lose that traction and the hope goes with it, but it doesn't have to be that way. That's right. So That's right. writing it down, I think is such a great um, indicator of what's really going on in the truth about a, a situation. Mm -hmm. um, you talked about alcohol and I want to go back to a question mm -hmm. that your wife asked you <laughs> that brought about big change in your life. And for anybody who's mm -hmm. thinking, change doesn't happen mm -hmm. you have now through this second time proved that change can occur and we're in control can you take us back to what your wife asked you when your your two daughters were i think what four and seven they yeah were four and six young. actually four and six, four and yeah, six. Yeah, yeah 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 it's a uh, good memory mike um yeah. listen i <laughs> so as much as we were just talking about this idea of of that personal self view might not be changing as we're seeing these changes happen. And, and sometimes we might try to remind ourselves of all those changes. And yet we still look in the mirror and we might still see that person that we used to be. It doesn't matter if it's a different person, we still see and sometimes feel like that old person still. I don't understand that. If that was your old normal, it's going to take time to believe that you're something different now, you know, because you can be, you have permission to be different. <laughs> You have permission to change. It's not like you have to go ask somebody. It's like, no, you want to change? You, you change. Like, uh, you know, as you know, like I, I constantly talk about I'm dating my wife, right, for, for 23 years. And why do I say that? Why does she say that about me? Because I'll tell you, who we were 23 years ago is very different than who we are today. 
But if we weren't consciously and intentionally taking the time to spend one-on-one quality time, date nights together once a week, to constantly rediscover and re-fall in love with the new person that we're becoming, we would grow apart. And it happens in so many relationships, you know? Um, and, and so it is that intentionality that we throw into sometimes the change or wanting to rediscover reasons why we don't want things to change. You know, like I don't want my relationship to end. Right. Um, but that wasn't always the case. And, and back then, even at 17 years old, even though I was this, you know, new physique and, and actually after I started exercising and eating differently, all of a sudden puberty kickstarted, you get this injection of testosterone, which helped me with developing more lean muscle mass, increasing my metabolism. I grew a number of inches as well, <laughs> you know, so it just kickstarted this growth spurt for me. So at the same time, while that was happening, I was actively exercising, being active, changing my nutrition. And so, yeah, within that 20 months to two years, I, I completely changed, you know, and a lot of people had observed that and be like, whoa, where is the other guy? You know, and it's like, at times I would take that in and be like, oh, thank you. That's really kind of you. But I still felt like that little fat kid at times. I still who I believed I was because at the core, I was still that kid. I still had all those like low self-opinion thoughts, those self-ridiculing thoughts, those those moments of thinking like, geez, nobody wants me around. They're, they're, oh, the, the people snickering over there, they're probably laughing at me. You know, like just that was my mindset still, okay? <laughs> Even though I'd have all these positive affirmations of people acknowledging the change that I'd done, I still was dealing with a lot of those insecurities and stuff. And then I was offered a couple beers at a party. And next thing you know, wow, a lot of those insecurities and inhibitions, whoop, where'd they go? You know, I was like, wow, this is miracle juice. You know, <laughs> oh, I feel like I'm 10 feet tall and bulletproof now. And all of a sudden I realized because those insecurities sort of vanished in those moments that I drank a few alcoholic beverages, I could open up and talk to people. I could approach that girl. You know, people started to invite me to other parties because all of a sudden I was this social, as they said, fun guy die, right? Like I had this moniker and um, it simply reaffirmed my own personal belief that people preferred hanging out with that version of me. So this set me on a trajectory for 15 years, <laughs> 15 years where drinking was a regular thing for me. The longest stint I'd ever done is like a sober month. You know how you do the sober Novembers or sober Januaries? Like that was the most I'd ever done in that 15-year span from 17 to 32 was going about a month with, without drinking. And it was very present in my life, but it was also present in the social circles of the people I hung out with. Even when I got into being a professional and working within a sales organization, selling fitness equipment, here, I'm, I'm in the health industry, right? Developing a name for myself. And it felt very much at times like I was an imposter, right? Um, because I could praise and I could speak to all the healthy habits and the healthy lifestyle and mindset. And yet on the weekends or in the evenings, I was doing things that were counterproductive to being healthy, you know, but it made me feel better. And it was who I believed I needed to be to connect with the people around me. And, uh, it was really challenging, you know, because during that time I met my wife, you know, I was building a company, <laughs> you know, we started having kids. Like, and yet on the outside looking in, a lot of people thought everything was great, but internally 
I was still feeling like that morbidly obese fat kid and, and not secure with myself and not, uh, sharing emotions. I, I bottled everything up. I never talk about anything that I was dealing with internally. I was very introverted that way. Um, and I didn't believe it was something to talk about because nobody ever talked to me about their stuff. So why would I open up about my stuff? You know, again, role modeling, right? As well as mentorship are the two ways we all learn. And that either works positively or negatively. Okay. Like it's, and for me, it was really the absence of that, that was, you know, continuing that, that, uh, or that, that continuation of, of some of those beliefs in my perspective. So, um, at 32, the proverbial doo doo hit the fan. Okay. <laughs> so, and what I mean by that is there, there comes a point where you continue to do things, continue to do things, and you might just be able to make things work. And I believed I can make it all work. It's all going to be okay. I can be a great dad. I can be a great man. I can be a great business owner. I can also be a great partier. You know, I can be, I can do it all until you can't. And I, I hit the wall, you know, and my wife was so patient. You know, we've been together for 10 years at this point. Our kids were both under the age of six. And, um, I came back from an all night bender. I don't remember how I got home and I woke up face down on the Berber carpet beside the bed. It's about 11 a.m. the next morning. My family had already been up for hours and hours. And with little kids, they get up and they want to watch Dora the Explorer. Okay. Like, uh, you know, like, so they were down in the kitchen. My wife was downstairs and, um, she was passionately unloading the dishwasher. Let's just say that because everybody in the cul-de-sac knew that Christy was emptying the dishwasher at that moment. <laughs> you know, it was, it was pretty darn loud. She was making a point and a statement and uh, getting me up. And uh, I came downstairs and she just motioned for me to sit down at the kitchen table. And she was looking at me and I could tell that something was wrong because she never looked at me that way before. You know, it, it, it was just, it was that look, you know, where it's just like, uh oh, uh oh, you know, and mums can do that look, right? Like they just, you, you know what I mean? Like anyone that's got a mom, oh, yeah. you know, they got that look, right? And it's like, oh boy, this, this is trouble. And uh, she proceeded to say, you know, this is not the environment I want to bring our girls up in. So let's talk about what it's going to look like to co-parent our kids. You know, you're, you're going to have to get another place. And, and all of a sudden it was like, what? Whoa, what? Huh? Like, I was just like, I, I was my world was getting rocked, you know, that foundation was being taken away and, and everything that I believed I was working towards and wanting to create was all of a sudden just poof, going to vanish. And so we talked, we shed a lot of tears, you know, we, we, we continued this conversation and it felt like hours, but maybe it was, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I, I don't even remember anymore, but it just felt like it kept going. Cause also I was really hungover. Okay. So, uh, you know, and, and, you know, we came to a point and Christy asked me a question and, and this is honestly the question that changed everything instantly. It, it, it reminds me of that moment actually, when I was looking in the shower at, uh, at almost age 15, right? Where, you know, I got out of the shower, looking in the mirror and all of a sudden it was just poof, everything changed like in a, in a second, right? Same thing happened when she asked me this question. She said, die, are you being the type of man that you would want to marry your daughters? And I was like, uh, 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 what do I say to that inside? I was like, you and thinking lots of not nasty things about her at that moment. You know, I was, I was, I was hmm. very defensive. I was argumentative. I was, I was not pleasant. 
And it was only because I knew she was asking a question that was the best question she could ask me. And I knew that the answer that I would have to give her if I was perfectly honest was I wasn't being that guy. You know, I wasn't being that kind of a business owner. I wasn't being that kind of a man, brother, son, like all the typical sort of identity cards that we hold as men often, you know, that's what it was. You know, I was like, I felt very fraudulent and, um, and it was weird, right? Because I was just like, man, if a guy like me right now showed up at my doorstep, there's no way he'd be coming in the house. <laughs> you know, like there's no way I would let him in around my most important women in my life, you know? And yeah. and yet that's what I was showing my girls was okay. You know, this is the type of guy. Because da- our daughters often marry men that are just like their father. There's lots of papers out there. There's a lot of research around this. There's a lot of statistical and observational proof to this, you know? And and I started thinking, it's like, man, if I don't clean up, they're going to end up with somebody like me right now. I don't want that for them. And uh, so when I made a commitment to my girls, including my wife that day, and more importantly to myself, I was going to go one year without drinking. Like, like I told you, remember for 15 years, the longest I've ever done is one month. And so I made a commitment. I was like, I'm going to 12X this, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go one year, no drinking. And, uh, three months in, I was like, holy smokes, this is really hard. You know, cause my normal way of connecting with people, of, of opening up to people, of, of just being who I believed I was, was involving alcohol. And all of a sudden I took that away and I'm like, well, who am I? You know, who am I without alcohol? I don't know. And so it, uh, it created this whole cascade of, of change that was going to need me. And I realized I needed help. I remember opening up to my wife and this, Mike, it was the first time I'd ever been totally honest with my wife, like complete vulnerability. I just bleh, <laughs> shared everything that was going on. All my insecurities, a bit of my past, talking about how I felt and why I would drink and just bleh. She looks at me and she was so kind, right? Like she looked at me and she's like, I love you. It's okay. Thank you for sharing that. I think you should speak to somebody, (laughs) you know? So it was, (laughs) and, and she was right. You know, she was right. She couldn't be all that for me. And that's when I found a psychologist as well as we decided we were going to get a relationship therapist to help us with our communication. First session in she's looking at us and she says, you know, Christy, I think Dai should come back on his own. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it, no, it was great, man. It was totally great. So, uh, you know, I worked with that therapist. Not what you're and, hoping to hear. Well, <laughs> I no, mean, it's but, like, it's what you but, need to hear, but not what you're hoping to hear, you know? Totally, right? Yeah. But I, I was okay because I'd already at this point, just like when I went all in with the change as a kid wanting to become healthy, I was like, I'm going all in on this because I don't want this to be my issue anymore. I don't want, I want to be that guy. I want to be the man. I'd love my daughters to marry someone like me. You know, that's who I want to be. That's who I always believed I was. Even though there's this huge gap in doing and being. Um, but I started working and, and literally it was like six months. You know, I went all in on this. I was reading the books and the literature and doing the exercises. And, and really everything changed. And uh, it got to the end of one year, and this is where I'll sort of end this story, but at the end of one year, and this is, it's funny to note this because, you know, I have a lot of people that say, well, did you start drinking again? And I was like, I got to the end of a year and my wife's like, holy smokes, you did it. And I looked at her and I was like, 
holy smokes, I did it. <laughs> you know, I was like, whoa, dude, this is amazing. Um, and she's like, well, do you want to celebrate? We can sit on the back deck. We can watch the sunset, share a bottle of Chardonnay tonight. Because hmm. that was our wine. I mean, our eldest daughter, firstborn daughter, her name's Chardonnay. Okay, just to, just to put things into perspective. And my youngest daughter is Brie. So Chardonnay and Brie, figure that one out. Wine and cheese, right? Um, anyways, uh, um, just to just put things in perspective, right? Context as far as that's how present alcohol was, all right? And um, <laughs> and I looked at Chris and I was like, babe, that sounds awesome. But you know what? So much has changed in the last year. So much. And I feel so good about the change. What do you think would happen if I just kept going? She's like, I don't know. I was like, I don't know either. But I'm, I'm ready to find out. I'm coming up on 15 years now. You know, well, actually, sorry, 14, I'll be going into my 15th year. So 14 years are all, I'm in my 14th year of, of since I've had an alcoholic drink. Congratulations. You know? and, That's awesome. Yeah, th thank you. Thank you, Mike. And again, I'm not saying this to brag or to be like, Hey, look at me. Like, it's just, it's amazing how just things kept progressing and I kept becoming the vision that of the person that I always believed I could be, but I had to release the alcohol to, for that to be realized. I did let that crutch go. So I could figure out a way to walk, jog, and now get to a place where I can sprint again, you know, and, and, but free of a lot of the negativity that came with it. And, um, as I always say, I, I, I got to a place where I said no to the alcohol so I could say yes to the life I always wanted, you know, and, um, and that was it, man. That that's, you know, the end of that story. Last question really quick. <laughs> sure. You have been able to keep your commitments to yourself mm. and often people mm. hey what do we think of with new year's new year's resolutions yeah, right. sure the commitment doesn't stick so how are you able to keep the promise to yourself when so many other people are like hey i made it seven days i'm done you made it for 15 years what's What's the key to keeping your promises to yourself, to keeping that commitment? I think the biggest thing is remembering all the good things that came with the change. Because often with it, it's not just the one thing. It's connected to everything. You know, that one decision I made, all of a sudden, I found that, yeah, my social network completely changed. It did. It changed. Because mm -hmm. a lot of the people that I used to hang out with, that's how we communicated. That's how we connected was over alcohol. Or partying, you know, like even my professional relationships, I would go to trade shows and I would often wear white shoes and I had a nickname, Billy White Shoes. Okay. So that was the nickname. I'd walk around. I'd always wear white shoes and, uh, and whether running shoes or a nice pair of loafers, you know, like I was always wearing white shoes. So they would joke around calling Billy White Shoes. Right. And uh, at the end of the business meetings during these conferences, you know, we're buying stuff and, and they're always like, okay, business is out of the way. Billy, where are we partying tonight? You know, like that, that was just the reputation I had, mm -hmm. you know, that that's just how present it was. All that changed as well. When I gave up alcohol, like all of a sudden, you know, a lot of those dynamics of those relationships shifted. Some of them didn't continue and it's okay. You know, they weren't comfortable with this new version of me that wanted to actually have real conversation and connect on a deeper level. 
you know, because, you know, two rounds in that conversation is not going to happen. And I just found it really bored me. It didn't stimulate me. It wasn't what I wanted anymore. And, and that's just one little example, you know, so that's like, as I always say, if you can't change the people around you, just change the people around you, <laughs> you know, and, and that's exactly what happened naturally. And, but then all of a sudden I started to make new connections, new friends, people that had similar belief systems. What I did had it were on a similar path. I also felt most true to myself now because I always believed in health as the foundation, but I always felt kind of like a, a an imposter because as much as I could preach it and I understood it and I did a lot of the actions that I felt were accurate to living that kind of a, a life, I still had this little piece. And, you know, that little piece that we pull along with us, it's like a little thorn in our side. You know, and it's, it's like, yeah, I can function with that thorn in there. It's no problem. It's like we get a little sliver in our finger, right? It's like, yeah, it, it kind of, it smarts, man. <laughs> it hurts, but we get distracted with other things and we forget it's there. And all of a sudden we come back and say, oh yeah, it's still there. Ouch, that still hurts, but we can function and we can go about life. But you know what? Life is so much better when you take that thing out, <laughs> you know, because like, now it's gone and no chance of infection. Right. And, uh, it, it's just, it, it's incredible what happens when you embrace the change because it will change a lot of the other areas that you don't even realize had the opportunity to change. Like, look at me now. Like I, when I say that is we're having this conversation. Mm -hmm. If I hadn't given up the alcohol and said no to that, yes to my life, I wouldn't have had that opportunity to travel as a full-time family for five years. I would not have had the opportunity to spend the last six months at my, my father's side at his end of life. You know, with my family there with us, you know, during, as he was dealing with pancreatic cancer, you know, we wouldn't have gone to Bali. You know, like there's, there's so many things that have happened in my life in the last 14 years that was a direct result of me making that one decision. And that's what I want to remind people of. Even though you think I'm making just this small little commitment right now, believe me, it's not small. It's not, it's, it's huge. It's, it might be the biggest decision you make in your entire life as you know it right now. But you won't know until you make the decision and you start to do the appropriate actions to follow through on that decision. And then watch out. <laughs> you know, just watch out. Um, and there's going to be days you fall on your trip. And that's why you want to find a good community to surround yourself with. Good people that are positive on a similar path that can lend you a hand to pick you up off the ground take the dust off your butt, you know, and, and say, Hey, I got you. Let's go. Let's go again. You know, because you can also do that for them. And if you get around a positive community like that and get a good coach or a mentor or somebody that can help you along this path to give you those shortcuts to achieve the results quicker. Listen, you don't have to do this on your own. You know, you don't. And, uh, and that's the big piece around vulnerability and being able to ask for help. And, uh, and I would say, I don't need to talk about that today, but definitely uh, watch my TEDx talk. It will give you some good insights into that as well. Yeah. And it's, I think more fulfilling when we have a community that's yeah. able to speak into us and we can speak into them. Um, yeah. we go faster, uh, yeah. together collectively. Yeah. So love that we'll proverb. Oops. So good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, brother. Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, no. I was just saying, I love that African proverb that you were just saying. It's also like that one that, that was the rising tides raises yes. all ships, right? It's like, yes, it's so true. Like it's, 
good things happen in good communities. So if you're, you're not part of one, make one or join one. <laughs> That's the way I always say it. Cause I get people that will mess yeah. with me. It's like, I don't have any communities to plug into. I'm like, well, then make one. <laughs> like just start reaching out to a few people that you think might be on the same wavelength as you and say, Hey, I'm thinking of doing this. Is this something that interests you? Yeah, it does. Great. Why don't let's do it together? It is so easy, <laughs> you know? So, but, but you got to act, you know, you got to do something. You can't just sit by and wait. You know, if you do, yeah. you're going to wake up 20 years from now and say, geez, I really wish I did X, Y, Z. And you do not want to live with that. All right. Yeah. So right now is the time to make the decision right now. <laughs> you you can either take the, the fear and awkwardness of asking and building that community or stepping mm. into one, or like you talked about, you can be 20 years down the road and have the regret of not having done it and yes. wondering what the possibility is of who you could have been at that yes. point in life. Um, dude, die. Totally appreciate it, brother. How can, how can guys reach out to you outside of this podcast? How can they connect with you? Well, I usually say Instagram and LinkedIn. You know, I know there's a lot of guys out there. Like I've got a lot of clients that they don't go on social, but they go on LinkedIn. <laughs> so uh, I'm definitely on LinkedIn. It's just Diamond. Well, easy to find if you can spell my name. Uh, D-A-I is actually a Welsh name for David. Okay, David. And uh, anyways, and, and Manuel's Portuguese. I know everyone's going to be like, huh? That's a weird combo. It's like, yeah, it is a weird combo. I'm Canadian. Don't worry about it. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, but it, that, that's the cool thing about having a unique name. doesn't matter what social network you connect with me on. It's just my name. Um, but I'm most active on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. So those are the channels to reach out on. And uh, I, I always reply back, and it's just me. I don't have a team of people waiting there to answer you. I don't have any you know, chat bots or AI there waiting to answer you. It's just me, man. It's just me. So uh, I always say, just give me a little bit of grace. I will get back to you. Yeah. And just so people have the spelling, D-A-I-M-A-N-U-E-L. <laughs> Bam. Got All it. Right. Well, brother, <laughs> thank you again. And uh, so appreciate you joining me, sharing from your heart and uh, encouraging all of us that change is possible and it does start with us. Thanks, Mike. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. It helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode and remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one.